Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Leslie Hassler is a dynamic author, speaker, and business strategist guiding women-owned service-based business into more profits, cash flow, and success. Business owners come to Leslie seeking a way to strategically scale their businesses, stop the money leaks, and get back in control with confidence. Using her more than 12 years of experience in business, finance, mindset, and more, Leslie takes multiple six- and seven-figure businesses from cash-strapped and struggling to profitable and thriving with her unique scaling-rich method. Her genius has been featured on stages, podcasts, and publications around the U.S. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today. Howdy, I'm excited to be here. I am very excited to have you here as well. Scaling Rich Method. I got to admit, this is the first time I've read over your bio. Normally, I do ahead of time. And today, it just, you know, I had this wonderful networking opportunity before (laughs) lunch, (laughs) which happened to be in your group. And so I didn't actually get a chance to. So tell me, let's, let's start there. Scaling Rich Method. Yeah, so the Scaling Rich Method, I want to talk about the premise of it first, is really about helping women business owners build a better and brighter future for themselves through um, prosperity and through their business. So if we think about like the word rich, you know, it, yeah, there's a money connotation to it. But I think there's also the, the connotation of quality of life. Um, quality of your business, the richness that comes through connections and through good work and, and team and those things. So we really try to ensure that our businesses and our clients that we work with have the ability to scale to whatever number they want to scale with. We always say we're not here to judge your zeros. If you're six <laughs> zeros or if you're seven zero or an eight zero, we don't care. We're just here to help you do it in such a way that you actually reach it, number one, you are profitable during the course of it, number two, and that it's easy to sustain, that you're not going to kill yourself doing it. Because the old paradigm was like the hustle and grind, you know, passion before profit. And and this really, I think we're in a new age where we can see that we can have passion and profit together. Those actually are very good friends that we don't need to create a war with in our business, but that we can scale in ways that are new and fantastic and easier to do than we ever thought it was possible. So I absolutely love that. And you know, just to kind of play devil's advocate just a bit, mm-hmm. on that passion piece, passion doesn't always equal profit. No, passion doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some new, new business owners sometimes really struggle with that. You know, I really have a passion for this. As a matter of fact, I when I started this company, I actually started two companies. One was a holistic health and wellness intention to be a magazine and an event. And that one sucked up money. It was a passion. I love teaching people about holistic wellness. It is a hobby. It's it's not anything. I don't have a business in that area. I just love that information. And that passion wound up losing a lot of money. <laughs> So, yeah, I, you know, with the passion part, I also, I kind of want to say, I mean, you need passion. You need to be almost willing to do what you do for free, but let's not go there. Let's not make that the habit, right? Because entrepreneurship is on the job training 101. 
today, you've never been where you are today. You've never gone to where you want to go tomorrow. So there are going to be good days. There are going to be down days. And passion does help pull you through. So um, your why, your passion, the, the fact that you love to do what you do, those are important. But like we said, the passion just doesn't pay bills. You know, the meme is follow your passion and the money will follow. Well, not really. It doesn't quite work like that. You have to be intentional. And especially in Mm -hmm. service-based businesses, I I always give this analogy. In a product-based business or a tech-based business, you'll hear the phrase, minimum viable product. That typically is right around a million dollars, by the way, which I think is one of our fascinations with that seven-figure number. But typically, that's what they're striving for. With a service-based business, you really need to strive for minimum viable profitability. That means, what would that be? <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. So that means is setting your intention to build your business just to the point where you start to see profitability. We want profitability to happen at the lowest revenue number, not the highest revenue number. Because what I will tell you, having worked with a ton of women-owned service-based businesses, is the revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity and cash is queen. Meaning that I can have a $350,000 business who's taking home at the bottom line, maybe $200,000 in profit. And I can have a million-dollar business who I've seen a lot of them who are only taking home $60,000 in profit. If you're a service-based business working at seven figures, you are working your buns off. And to only have 60 grand, I mean, I'm not going to look down on any profitability. Any profitability is good. But I think there's this misconception that people have that they have to wait to be profitable until they're in seven figures. And in service-based business, that's a bit of um, boxing yourself into a dark cavern with no doors and no windows. We really want to breed something that's a little bit more viable. So aiming to be profitable at the smallest um, revenue rate that is possible is really what your first goal should be. So how do you get people started on this journey? What, what, What would be some of the, just give me one or two nuggets of things that you'd like to share with our listeners that on what you can do to prepare yourself to be profitable at the lowest price point. One is to get a really good sense uh, that your pricing is in alignment with the value that you provide. I am a proponent of value-based pricing, but I'm also a proponent of accessible pricing. We happen to have both in our business. We have products that are all about accessibility so that we can impact as many people. And then we have products that are based on value the value that we're bringing to the table. So no judgment on where you are there. It's just you have to ensure that you're profitable with every sale. And in order to do that, you got to get in tune with some of the numbers or your KPIs. Let me tell you a story of why this is important. So was doing a bit of an audit for um, a business and we ran and figured their KPIs. And in doing so, what we figured out is they were spending $1,250 per client to get a new client. So that's your marketing cost of acquisition is what that number is. Not bad for what they do in alignment with, you know, industry standards. Where the problem was (laughs) is when you looked at the lifetime value of a client, the lifetime value of a client was only worth a thousand dollars. Oh, so it's 15% off the top automatically. We're not even talking operations. 
<laughs> marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in essence, they were losing $250 in just from marketing to sales with each and every client. How that, that, mm, that uh, inequity that's in a client's business, that's actually pretty common because we think all sales are good sales. So we take all sales, right? And, we're, mm. and we get into this trap of, I have to have more, I have to have more, I have to have more. So if you're like, I need more clients, but I don't have any more time to do the work, but I'm not making any money. Like if those are your three statements that you're thinking about in your business, chances are you've got a pricing profitability issue. So the first thing we do to get people on their scaling rich path to kind of go back to your question is we always work the money side of things first. Because if you have a business that is leaking money, I can turn on the faucet, but to what point if half of it's gonna flow out the bucket? I would much rather shore up your bucket, create cash in the business that then you can use to self-fund the growth that you need to do. And a lot of times that's team, it's outsourcing. There's so many, you know, if you probably have a list like most people and I even have this list, you have a list of things you need to invest in, but you don't have the cash to do it, right? We just make that a little more possible by focusing on the money side first. So when we talk about self-funding your business, it's, it's not reaching out and getting grants and things like that. It's really addressing home first. Well, I mean, grants are, fa- are part of it, you know, okay. and we actually, we came up with 21 ways. I read an article for entrepreneur.com, I think last year, or maybe the year before, 21 ways to be able to quickly fund your business and grants and, and loans and things like that are definitely possible. And actually, we're going to give, um, have a way your audience can grab that article um, here in just a second. But if you, if I give you the four big buckets that we yes. look at, it's cash generation, So it's money coming in the door. It's cash management. And I call that stewardship. How, what are you doing with the money? And then it's cash efficiencies. So for there's, you know, a lot of times people come in and they'll go, I just can't cut any costs anymore. Great. I don't want you to cut, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face and be so lean that you're actually choking your business because you're too lean. There's, there's a minimum amount of money that you're going to need to spend. How do we maximize that? How do we max that investment to produce additional return? So that's what that efficiency is about. We're just getting efficiency. That is one of my little, I'll tell you, it's a secret, secret weapon area. I generally can find 10, 20% just in this little spot right there. Ooh. <laughs> you're finding hidden money. <laughs> I'm finding money oftentimes that people already have. They just negated it because they're too close to it. Um, the fourth category, just so you know, is funding. And that is a viable part of building your business and paying for growth. But if I if I talk a little bit, like we had, um, had one client that came in and we were doing their audit, which we do with all of our new clients. We do an audit um, to kind of look at things and I spotted that she had a huge AR, like six-figure AR. Oh, and I, that, I was that like, well, what's this about? What's this about? Because you say you don't have any money. So what's this about? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. That's because we're in governmental contracting. That's you know money that's owed to us, but it takes forever to get it. I said, okay, great. Do you mind if I look at it? 
said, let me just look at the detail. And I was looking at the detail and the pattern was off. So the pattern of payments and invoices and which clients paid which invoice and da 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 was all out of whack. And I went, uh-uh, there's something wrong here. And so I challenged her. She's like, no, I'm telling you, they'll ultimately pay, but it takes nine months to pay and blah, blah, blah. I was like, great, this one's four years old. And, he, and I was like, let me give him another one. And she was like, no, 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 they'll just, they'll eventually pay. And I'm like, great, this one's three years old. And what's crazy is the invoice after it and before it were paid, but not this one. And so I finally got her to look at the detail. She reached out to the biggest holder of their AR. She, and through the process of the conversation, she goes, you know what? This client has changed billing systems three times in the last four years. And I was like, huh, all of these invoices got lost. Mm-hmm. And she was wired within like 24 hours, like $250,000. But because she had that thought process of, no, this is what my industry standard is. I get paid in nine months. She allowed that to kind of build without challenging it. And sometimes it's just what an outside set of eyes will go and go, uh-uh, that's not good enough. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Right? And, and that happens to differing scales in almost every business. Out of all the audits I've done, I've only seen one clean set of books. And I, I called them up and I went, you have the most gorgeous set of books I've ever seen. Pay your bookkeeper and your CPA extra because they're doing a fabulous job, right? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, but it, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I've, I've experienced clients skipping over invoices for whatever reason they went on vacation, you know, that sort of thing. You know, my business is still intimate enough that I look at the books pretty regularly. So, so I see when things get skipped and, you know, if it goes, you know, two months, I'm like, you know, this is kind of out of character. Did you know that this one got skipped? And usually I get a payment the same day. Yeah. Because I, if we're doing work with good people, then they want to pay. Right. And I kind of put that as one of those markers of an ideal client. They have the problem that I solve. They want to solve it and they pay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, those are, those are things to monitor, but yeah, that's just kind of one, just one way is looking at things like your AR and challenging, questioning, not being afraid to pick up the phone and say, Hey, I was just looking at things. I noticed um, we missed an invoice for a couple months ago and that's not normally what happens. Do you mind looking into it? And that's a nice enough way to say it. It is. Absolutely. You know, I get it. I get it. Okay. So what are some of the other areas besides AR that you would look at? So um, cash management is, you know, that's a bit of the cash flow kind of uh, things that we look at. Most people, for most people, and I think the pandemic really showed this. I often talk about there's this cash flow mask that gets put over our eyes because there's money in the bank. But cash flow isn't money in the bank, right? It's actually being able to look at things dynamically and understand how the expenditures you're doing today will impact money next week, next month, next year. So one of the tools that we often put into place in this area is a predictive cash flow management tool. And the tool that we use, once you've you've put things in, you can you can do scenarios. You can say, well, what would happen if I'm going to hire Joan next month? You know, when would I see that revenue? Those kinds of scenarios in a really easy way. But it, it helps change 
how you look at your cash flow. I think it's even McKinsey and both Harvard Business Review during the pandemic estimated that most small business owners have anywhere from seven to 21 days worth of cash in their bank. And what that looks like is as a business owner, if at the first of the month, you're worried about payroll at the end of the month, but every time you get to payroll, you're always able to do it. And the next month you have that same stress, but you're always able to pay it. You're probably in this window. Yeah, that was me two years ago. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that is such a stressful cycle. My God, it's horrible. (laughs) I've been there myself. It is, there's nothing more frightening um, than not being able to pay your team or the prospect of it. And I will share my journey on that. I didn't pay myself forever. You're shaking your head. Yes. yes. You, yeah. Right. I had the same thing. Either I would reduce my wages to, to make sure everything for the employees went through, or I would skip a check. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. With this tool and another tool that we put in, we basically, one of our goals is to increase how many days of cash on hand. And every business has its own really special number. I gave you a client example earlier. Her number was seven months because it's such a long pay cycle. Mm. Some businesses can get by in three. Three to six is like where we say, if you're not going to do the work to figure out your specific number, that's a good good ballpark. Um, But when we change that number, here's what happens. Suddenly, the business owner can reward themselves for all the investment that they're doing. They can build up their own financial stability and security. Um, But we also do it in such a way that it really is empowering to make those big, bold growth moves that nearly everybody wants to make, but very few people can see how to pay for it. And I think in service-based businesses, we have an extraordinary last couple of years, right? Where we're, we, you can apply for the idol and there was the PPP and there's more mm. people willing to help more grants have come on board, just tremendous, but the need is still so huge. Mm-hmm. And as a service-based business, it's hard for a lot of our entities to prove economic development contribution. And so that's why they do tend to go to more high growth, higher scalability product-based businesses. Um, so you we need these kind of tools to be able to take a service business to whatever level you want to take them to. Absolutely. I So everything that you described is literally a process that I just went through, getting myself stabilized as the entrepreneur. And then, you know, we did that literally in 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. I was able to reward my team with like a 15% pay increase. Yeah. So so it's not just about, you know, the business owner winning, it's about the whole team winning. Yeah. And I think that's an important, two important things you brought up. One, it's a process. And the best day to start is today. Don't wait. I'm just going to tell you, don't wait, just start. Um, And two, for women business owners, that's exactly what I see happen is that they pour more into their teams. They're able to afford better quality team and make other investments and training. Um, But they also do things like charitable contributions and employee bonuses and things like that, that really make their heart sing, I think, at the end of the year when they're able to do those things. So those are the the really good payoffs for getting your cash kind of squared away. Yeah, last year was the first year we were able to give the team a bonus. Um, and then we also, this year, we started um, with a, a company called BetterHelp to provide 
benefits, mental health benefits to my team. So yes. I mean, it's it's been an incredible journey, but I also want to say the work that you're doing is so amazing. I, I know from experience that you can breathe easier once you start paying yourself as a business owner what you you should be making. Um, and as a woman, and I know you run into this because you work with Strictly Women, we don't always realize what we're worth. No. You know, I just read, um, I've been doing some research for our own business as we look to, ex, you know, expand internationally. And one of them was from the GEM, which is the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor that did a women business owner report. And one of the the big things that stick out for me is that, that women are 20% less confident in their success than male entrepreneurs. And there was not a single country where women outpaced male confidence. And I'm like, oh, we have so much work to do. We have so much work to do, you know, because I can see you like if, if somebody's listening, they can't see your, your face <laughs> when you, when you talked about this, but truly the weight off your chest, it has other benefits. I mean, you feel good. You're probably mm-hmm. excited to come to the office. You know, you're not thinking about, should I shut this puppy down or not? Um, but you think better. You're mm-hmm. able to be more strategic. You're less reactive. And this is that one of those upward cycles we like to create in a business to where every day it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. But it does take time. You know, it does take dedication to doing it. And sometimes, you know, people need somebody to hold their hand and say, no, 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 stay on track. Don't worry. You're almost there. Come on. Let's go. Let's get there. Because and you're that person to hold their hand. Yeah, we love doing that. We love doing that. Yeah, you know, what you said is is so important because we do need people as business owners, whether male, female, whatever, we do need people to to help guide us to places. We know a lot. We don't know everything. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I've made the analogy with business owners. Sometimes it feels like you're on an island. So why not create this archipelago? where you have all these resources and, you know, you can still be an island, but be connected, you know? Yeah. And I think that's us as women um, undoing our social education. You know, if you think about the thought process that you had to do it on your own, if you worked with somebody else, you were cheating. I'm like, dude, there's no gold stars for doing it alone anymore. In fact, the fastest path is to do it with others. And so the quicker that you can find those people that are, uh, can help you do that and, you know, mentors, but colleagues and, and friends that are on the same journey, they're all important. So scaling rich method, you said there's 21 things that you look at. So the, just in the money, like what I mentioned, just in the money, (laughs) (laughs) just just in the money, um, there, there's what I was sharing earlier was we have an article called 21 ways to quickly fund your business growth appeared in entrepreneur a couple of years ago, but we actually have a way that your uh, listeners can download it. Um, and we can share that when, when we're ready to do that, but they can be able to download it. And I go into just a little bit of depth with each area, but even in our community, we actually have workshops that take you even deeper. Like, how do you develop an AR follow-up process? Because nobody likes to be the one that calls. You know, how can you do this in a way that makes it really easy and encourages payment? Uses strategies like getting paid in advance. 
you think about it, you pay for Amazon mm-hmm. well in advance of it's getting here. And sometimes it doesn't get here when it says it's going to get here. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's Amazon's strategy is not so much about the marketplace. They hold cash for 31 days before they have to give it out to resellers. Mm-hmm. So imagine the amount of business that Amazon does holding that cash for 31 days and the sheer interest they earn on that money. Really interesting. That's something, that's a strategy that you can put to work in your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, And I've seen it done time and time again, industry across all industries. Absolutely. I know with our packages, our clients prepay. And occasionally I get people who ask, oh, can we do a 30 net 30? I'm like, (laughs) you know, I'm not a fan of chasing money. Precisely, precisely. You know, there are some circumstances where it makes sense. And that's a a nonprofit potentially. Okay. I tend to make a lot more exceptions for nonprofits. But then, you know, I have to balance that also with the people who pay on time. Yeah, no, this is great information. So please tell us where you can find that entrepreneur article. Sure. So you can easily go to yourbizrules.com forward slash 21 ways. That's plural. And then you can download it from there. So we've got it all set up for you um, with a few other resources built in there um, that you can download it and take it Take it to the bank. Perfect. So for our listeners, we are going to have another episode featuring Leslie next week. And we're going to be talking about how to build teams in a tight labor market. We all know what's going on there out in the labor market right now. It is really a challenge to hire. So we're going to be talking about that. If you enjoyed our self-funding for your business growth, please join us again next week. Leslie, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off today? No, I just, like I said, the the best day to start is today. You don't have to be at some magical number to put some of these things into work in your business. And if you're early on, man, doing it now when you're 15 years into business, like, you know, we are, you're going to be in a totally different place. So start, start building that future. Um, Grab the 21 ways and um, yeah, let us know how it goes. Let us know if you have any questions. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth so you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.